the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Jen is the conservative crusader. Brian is our lovable liberal. Welcome to The Answer. Jen is a conservative crusader who's a little emotional today. Welcome to The Morning Answer, Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn. And it really sunk in, Brian. I've got the goosebumps right now hearing I love L.A., the Dodgers. Yes. <laughs> I have been waiting 32 32 years to say this. Bathe in it, my love. The Dodgers have won the World Series. I'm so happy for you. I got to tell you, it finally hit me. Like, I watched the whole game last night, and I was excited, and I'm a little hoarse today from yelling at the television set and, you know, screaming expletives at Dave Roberts, who I love again. Uh, But, you know, it it just kind of hit me when we heard the song, and we were talking about the game a little bit before we went on the air. And congratulations to the Los Angeles Dodgers, who really, after 32 years of a dry spell, uh, have uh, broken their curse. They won the World Series yesterday in game Number six, the score, three to one. That's and right. it was a, a really incredible game. The pitching came through for the Dodgers after they had a rough start with their starter, Tony Gonsolin. But the bullpen, which has been the torment to so many of us Dodger fans, really came in and finished that game strong. Here's the tweet. We're also thankful that Vin Scully, the original man in Dodger Blue, is on Twitter. He tweeted nine hours ago, and I'll read it verbatim. 55, 59, 63, 65, 81, 88, and now 2020. What a year, what a season, what a team. Congratulations, Dodgers at Dodgers, of course. Absolutely. And, you know, I was thinking I was really nostalgic yesterday because uh, my family, you know how much I loved my grandparents so much. And Mima and Bunky is what I called them. And Bunky and Mima were the... Dodger fans. I mean, when I say used to take you to the ball game. Oh my gosh, they had season seats when they were affordable. We would sit in the blue level right behind home plate. It was too expensive to buy hot dogs, so Mima would make ham and cheese sandwiches Bless and we'd her. pack them in lemonade and we would go to the ballpark for every game, literally. I mean, every game there were four seats and it became like this this thing. My family was there. I was literally raised on the Dodgers and Bunky was one of those fans that just loved to to celebrate the wins and he felt all the losses and so I don't know. I was thinking about it last night. And I was thinking in this year, and you can hear me getting a little, a little okay. emotional. It is so stupid because Just in this me. year, some of my conservative friends, and uh, and I'll name him, Don Dix, my uh, my other radio husband on the Jen and Don show, heard on AM five ninety. The answer. He goes, I don't know how you can even pay any attention to baseball. We have a republic to save. This is a week before the election, and I was thinking about it last night. And it, you know what? It kind of sunk in for me that this is something that you like brings me together with my family. I mean, this is something that as a Dodger fan, it connected me with my grandparents. And so last night I celebrated for Mima and Bunky and go Dodgers. And I know it sounds so silly, but here's Joe Buck with that call that brought the Dodgers to their first victory at the World Series in 32 years. I don't think I've ever done a Major League Baseball game and not thought of my dad, but it's impossible to not think of the 92-year-old Vin Scully, the greatest to ever do it. 
Started with the Dodgers in 1950, retired four years ago. That is strike two. 67 years of his life he poured into the Dodger organization, and you know he's watching and rooting. Ownership, Andrew Friedman, Dave Roberts. And strike three. Dodgers have won it all in 2020. What a year. Only a 60-game season. It was half a season, but the Dodgers had the best record in baseball all season long. And you know what? When I was reading some factoids this morning, apparently it's yes. very unusual for the team with the best record in the regular season to actually go on and win the World Series. Often it does not happen. Yeah, the Dodgers are usually are one of, I think, maybe five or six teams I read in, his, in baseball history that have actually had that honor where they were the best team all the way through the season and then took it into the offseason and went on to become World series champs i'm so happy for you because you're my best friend and i hear pure joy when when you offer it and that's pure joy and and there's and and that's the real jen right there who who has that connection with her family and you hear joe buck talking there mm-hmm. uh, it seems that every contemporary la dodger fan has a bunkie yeah there's someone who brought them along to the tradition of celebrating and cheering on the dodger blue last night three to one the final score the dodgers are for the first time in 32 years World Series champions, not to suggest that they haven't brought us many thrills and some thrilling defeats as well (laughs) during the time. They've kept us entertained, but last night uh, was for fans like you, for fans uh, like those listening to the Morning Answer broadcast and our listening family who have been waiting so long since 1988 is Vin Scully, and there is only one Vin Scully pointed out in his tweet last night. Yeah, I was uh, thinking back to the last Last time the Dodgers won the World Series, I was 10. And, you, you know, we bring up the the aspect of togetherness, right? There are so many things that keep us apart right now in politics. We're so divided and everybody's on their own team. And this is something that I think unifies people. It's something that connects me to the family members who are no longer here to celebrate me, celebrate with me on this planet. It connects us to our family, to our upbringing. To, Vin Scully does that for so many people. When I can think back to as a kid listening to Vin Scully call the World Series game in 1988 when when Kirk Gibson hit that iconic home run. And I remember sitting at my desk. It was a little white desk (laughs) in my room. And on a TV that I had, it was a teeny tiny TV that I won from selling candy at my Catholic school because I was one of the top sellers. Yes. Helen Grace was the candy company. And I had won this little TV (laughs) and you could pick whatever color you wanted. So, of course, I picked white pink i had a little pink square tv that was in there and it was a black and white tv and i was watching the dodgers win the world series in that moment and now flash forward to well into adulthood and the dodgers finally doing it again and you know this was the last four seasons they've gone to the out of the last four seasons they've been to the world series three times yeah they've been competitive for sure the third time was the charm dave roberts manager of the dodgers spoke about the mookie Betts effect he joined the dodgers from the red sox this year and they say that was the push the Dodgers needed to put them over the line. When you guys were receiving a trade, a guy like Mookie, what, 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 what your mindset was when he was coming in? <laughs> I just thought that Christmas came early. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's like players like that just don't get traded in their prime. You hear Big Poppy there with the question. You do. Jennifer, in a year, and, and I'm so happy for you. I, I cried a little tear while that play-by-play was was rolling 
only because of happiness for you. In a year where I know you, I know me, and I know many of our listeners and many across the country, but this is L.A.-centric this morning. In a year when we have suffered through disconnection, physical disconnection with our very own family members, Mm -hmm. with our mom and our dad, Um, in a year when we have felt isolated at times, quite literally, from, from our families, therefore from our traditions, therefore from our commonalities and our common celebrations, it is very, very, very beautiful. It's almost poetic and profound that the L.A. Dodgers in this 2020, with just two months of it left to go, would come back and say to you, Jennifer, and to Joe Buck, and to all the others, you're connected with Bunky today. Yeah. In a, in, a, in a year of disconnection and social isolation and distancing, you're connected to Bunky. Joe Buck is connected to his father and so many people hearing the morning answer. You know the name. You see the face of the person you're connected to with this Dodger World Championship. That's right. Enjoy, enjoy the moment. Smile and enjoy your day. And it was with a, not without controversy, actually. We'll no. hear more from was Dave Roberts, sa- but it was a surprising safe. pull of, from the game. Yeah, when so. Justin Turner got yanked in uh, the seventh inning, people were going, wait, where did Justin go? Did he hurt himself? Apparently, no. he got a positive test result, and they pulled him from the game. Yeah, we'll tell you just what he tested positive for. Mm. You probably Winning the know. World Series. <laughs> yeah, he did test positive. Does he get the winning pitcher? Does he go? Uh, does he get the, uh, the 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 credit for winning pitcher? Because you know he would if he were a pitcher. <laughs> He's a third baseman. <laughs> Again, I can talk to you about emotions, and I can talk to you about uplifting your spirit, and maybe right. make you laugh sometimes. But uh, all I knew about Mookie Betts, by the way, I wasn't going to admit this was that I got free taco uh, you today. Know, is yeah, today you can go to Taco coming Bell and get that maybe, free taco. Steal a base, right. steal a taco. All but right. How about that? World Series first time ever a player has been pulled for a positive COVID nineteen test. Oh, you gave it away. Yes, we'll have more. Well, we already on... got it. We already had it. I know. We'll have more on uh, the Dodger victory plus the candidates hitting that campaign trail. We'll tell you where they go uh, as your Wednesday morning answer continues. News and talk you can trust. The Morning Answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us. It is The Morning Answer. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn on a Wednesday. And you hear that music. We are celebrating the Dodgers' big victory 3-1 to one, over the Tampa Bay Rays. They win the World Series in Game 6. They won that series four games to two. One of the controversies, though, Brian, and we're talking about this off the air, Justin Turner, who plays <clears throat> third base for the Dodgers. I, I knew that. <laughs> like Greg Nettles used to play third base for the Yankees. <laughs> right. <laughs> when I was a kid. Right. So, he had a bunkie. He was called Pop Pop, and uh, he took us uh, to see Yankee games. <laughs> so Justin Turner has been a huge force for the Dodgers. He's almost, I mean, I would say he's probably, if not the team leader, one of them. Plus, he has done a lot of work. He's a does so much <laughs> philanthropic work for the all over city the of Los community. Angeles. And yes. he, he has that unique talent of being a, well, it's not unique in, the, in Major League Baseball, but he's quite a fielder. Third base, uh, I do know this from my 
dad because he watched a lot of baseball. Third base, my dad always said, was one of the harder positions to p- to play mm-hmm. in, in in the infield. And uh, Justin Turner can hit the ball as well. Yeah, he's a great fielder. Had a little trouble with his offense during the regular season, but he was really hitting so well during the the playoffs. He was able to not just hit home runs, but he was actually able to just get on base, which is what the Dodgers have switched up. They're not just hitting home run after home run. They're actually loading up the bases. And uh, that was the key to their victory this year. Yeah, it's more methodical. Right. But Justin Turner was removed from the game in the seventh inning. And when asked why, a lot of people thought he was injured. Apparently, he had an inconclusive COVID test on Monday. They retested him. And then during the game, they said he had a positive test. And so he was removed from the game from Major League Baseball. He was denied the privilege of storming the field with his teammates after all of this time, all of this work that he had put into the team over the last, I think, five, six years. Help. Help me understand something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the test that compelled them to remove him from the field, uh, from he was, he was playing third base. They, they were on defense at the time. He was playing third base at the time, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Was that test taken before the game six of the World Series last night? So this is what ESPN is reporting. They said that in the second inning, the lab doing the COVID-19 test informed Major League Baseball that Turner's test from Monday came back inconclusive. It's unclear why the results of the test arrived as the game began, as typically they come beforehand. Samples taken from Tuesday arrived at the lab, and Turner's was Turner's was run immediately. When it showed up positive, the league called the Dodgers and said to pull Turner. He was replaced by Edwin Rios, who's an up comer for the Dodgers. He's got a powerful bat as well. He's a good player. But the point is, is that they had to pull out one of their their leaders because of this. Now, but but he had to take another test. Mm-hmm. What did the test before the test he took that led to the removing him yesterday? That was obviously must have been. I want to say obviously I'm not a doctor. Uh, was it a positive test that they tried to verify with a second test that came back inconclusive and then took a third test? No, it was the first one was inconclusive. They tested again and it was positive. And so the way it seems like it's going, again, this is just based on reporting um, from ESPN right now, but it seems that every day the players are tested because they're in a bubble right now in the World Series. They're not playing at Dodger Stadium. They're playing in Arlington, Texas, the Rangers Stadium. And so uh, they uh, have been there. They've been with their families. They've all been quarantined and staying away from people as part of their agreement in playoff baseball, basically. They're all part of this bubble like we saw the NBA. For folks who might not be sports fans or Dodger fans or baseball fans like you are, uh, do you know what the locker room situation is because I you know I played in 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 school you know we were always always close to the other guys who were playing on our team well, that's why it's important that they were all kind of quarantining together that's why the bubble worked so well for the NBA because you're exchanging spit and you're in each other's space and you're close to people so the fact that they were all supposed to be safely in the bubble was part of the deal and uh, so it's unusual that he would get a positive test he got the inconclusive as Monday's result they then did Tuesday's test and put him at the top of the list to run the testing because of his inconclusive. Now that we're talking came about back last po- night's game. Right. That came back positive, and that's when Major League Baseball notified the Dodgers. I do have a conspiracy theory, though. Oh, no. Justin Turner, if you remember, if you've been following Dodger baseball, you have probably heard about the saga with the Astros and the Houston Astros being a team full of cheaters. They were using, yes. they were stealing signs, they were communicating information to their batters, and they literally it's, stole the World Series from the Dodgers in 2017. It's not a conspiracy that the Astros cheated. That's not the conspiracy. But Justin Turner, Rob Manfred, who's the head of baseball at Major League Baseball, has been really soft on the Astros. There was only. 
I, I mean, they, they removed the manager, but there were no real suspensions given to the players who were involved with this and I who recall. led this. And they were I very recall. soft on the team owners and all of that. And so just and they were told, by the way, other teams were told not to talk about the situation in the press. Well, yeah. Justin Turner said, Mm-mm, that's not happening. And when he he's loud, asked about he it, he had a loud mouth on it. He, he was and, a loud mouth. To his credit, to his credit. And he called out Rob Manfred several times in the press saying he mishandled this and that these guys shouldn't, you know, that it's always going to be a problem and that this marked baseball negatively for history, basically. And so he's been tough on Man- Manfred. And so it makes me wonder. If they didn't pull the him from the game as oh. some retribution. Oh, no. Because they, uh, it, Manfred would have to pull any player out there on the diamond playing, uh, runners running into him, et cetera, et cetera, tagging runners, uh, uh, speaking to, to base coaches and other players in the dugout. Any responsible leader of a, of a major league sporting organization would have to pull that player. I, I don't know, because with two really? innings left in a World Series game where if you've – if. If Justin Turner is a legit positive, he's been around those guys already. Pulling him for an hour is not necessarily going to end their their interaction with him. The fact that they robbed Justin Turner of being able to storm the field and celebrate with the Dodgers was a problem. Eventually, about an hour after all of the festivities, Justin Turner did come back out on the field. He did take a picture with his teammates, and he did hold the World Series trophy, and he got a criticism for that. And Mookie Betts and others said, he's a member of this team. We're not going to exclude anybody from celebrating. So they stood up for the fact that he finally came out on the field after the initial celebration. So- and that's nice that that they did that. Because they love their teammates, and they know they all know how they all know how hard they've all individually worked to achieve this world championship. Stepping back, if you're not a huge fan, if you're not dialed in every day, and if you're not a member of the Dodgers or 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 or, or a member of the family, and so many families are employed there, my friend Eric Braverman, your friend Eric Braverman, works for the L.A. Dodgers. Uh, you would probably view that uh, th- that him being involved, touching – I hate to sound stupid, but I don't sound stupid. It sounds stupid. Him touching surfaces like a World Series trophy, et cetera, that are then going to be touched by others. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think if the team is good with it, they've all been quarantining together um, – I don't know. I, I really think that it was it was unfortunate that Justin Turner missed that, especially because it could be his last year as a Dodger. He's going to be a free agent next year, and this was a meaningful victory. And it's it's unfortunate there was. I heard a, I heard a report this morning, Jan, that all of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and according to CDC guidelines, it's true. They should all be in quarantine this morning. I bet they will have no problem quarantining together, by the way. They'll be okay with that. <laughs> Celebrating their big win. So congratulations way to, to go, the guys. L.A. Dodgers. To congratulations to, to the L.A. Lakers. We've got both championships, guys. LeBron James said we should have a dual parade, and uh, maybe we should. I don't know how we do it in COVID times, but that would be kind of cool. And in a year where it was bittersweet for L.A. fans, we lose Kobe Bryant in February, and then to have the Lakers and the Dodgers come back and win championships pretty cool year for for sports a definite good finish to a year that started off pretty rough no doubt sports wise for sure hundreds of firefighters are battling it out in orange county and some critical injuries for those firefighters will bring you up to speed on two of the fires burning right now the blue ridge fire the silverado fire we'll have all the latest information for you as your wednesday morning answer continues every morning breaking news and talk you can trust this is the answer with brian 
Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horan. You found us, Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horan. We are the Morning Answer. We thank you for joining us bright and early. Six o'clock club, Dodgers World Series champions. But the news isn't all good today, Brian, because there are some fires still burning and still causing a lot of evacuations in Orange County. Yeah, there are some very serious fires burning here. We have uh, some news to bring you about the escalation of the fires, Mm -hmm. uh, both of them escalating. And the problem is here that uh, we still have these gusty Santa Ana winds. We still have these these Santa Anas, which yesterday uh, we informed you uh, might be as low as 50 mile an hour gusts, but they might get as high as 60 miles an hour in Ventura County. Here's a quote. There's nowhere you can go to feel safe. Two wildfires in California's Orange County force 85,000 evacuations. Two firefighters badly burned fighting the blaze. Two rapidly spreading wildfires. This is according to the USA Today. Show you how much attention these fires are getting, and rightfully so. Two rapidly spreading wildfires prompting the evacuation of more than 85,000 people in two cities in what the USA Today calls upscale sections of Southern California's Orange County, according to fire officials. Yeah, this is um, the escalation that you talked about overnight has been almost a reversal in roles. Remember, it was the Blue Ridge fire that was smaller. Now it seems that that has become the bigger of the two fires by at least a couple of thousand acres. Where the Silverado has has diminished. Yeah, we'll talk about Blue Ridge at first. 14,334 acres burned is the current count. That fire pushing towards Chino Hills. That was going on since yesterday. Ten homes now damaged in the Yorba Linda area. They, this fire started in Monday, or sorry, on Monday, and of course was escalated because of those winds. It was really pushed along. Today, as you mentioned, the wind conditions supposed to be a little bit better, but they can still be part of, uh, they're factored into the situation, of course. Blue Ridge, uh, fire off of Blue Ridge Drive in Bighorn Mountain Way is at 14,334 acres. Decrease in acreage from yesterday due to better mapping from air support. There are a 1,000 firefighters now assisting to slow the, f- the spread of that fire which jumped the 71 freeway yesterday and had officials issuing evacuation orders in Chino Hills. The Silverado fire, there's a lot of injuries that are associated with this. We found out yesterday that five firefighters were injured. They were treated for minor injuries. They've been released, but there are still those two members of the Orange County Fire Authority hand crew that suffered second and third degree burns over at least 50% of their bodies. They're still in the hospital today. They're in critical condition. Five firefighters as Jen uh, said accurately a moment ago, injured in the 13,350-acre at press time this morning, Silverado Fire near Irvine. Three of the firefighters were treated for minor injuries and have since been released, as you pointed out. The other two, who are OC Fire Authority hand crew, suffered second- and third-degree burns and remain hospitalized for it. Brian Fennessy of Orange County Fire said yesterday the two young firefighters are, quote, fighting for for their lives. So uh, if you pray, uh, we ask you to remember these firefighters and, and their families in your prayers. The blaze, and we're talking here about the Silverado fire, had scorched 
over 13,350 acres and remained 5% contained as of yesterday evening, according to officials. I want to make a quick note about something Jennifer said yesterday, which is really important because I know our Morning Answer listeners love our history and we love our uh, California presidents, and one of them is former President Richard Nixon. And there was fear as the fire got closer, the, the Blue Ridge fire, I, I understand, mm-hmm. right, got closer to Yorba Linda. There was fear that the precious, and it truly is precious, that tiny home that was indeed historically, it was, it's not a, it's not a replication. It's the, inside they've replicated some of the decor, but it is the birthplace of Richard Nixon, the 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 thirty. 30- Seventh American president, I believe. Yes, and they they, they didn't move the house uh, to the site of the of the Nixon Library, but uh, there was no time, thank goodness, that uh, any any property or any of the historical artifacts on site on campus at the Nixon Library were under any threat. Yeah, mandatory uh, evacuations. We're happy about that, by the way. Our friends at the Nixon Ooh. Library doing their these best. These guys work so hard to, to to do all these things and to gather all these artifacts That's for right. the record and. Uh, it would be a shame. Mandatory evacuations for the Silverado fire have been lifted in the following areas. Everything south of Portola Parkway, east of the 133 toll road, west of Axis Irvine Boulevard is closed between Axis and Alton. That's some good news coming out of the Irvine Police Department, but still about 70,000 people still under evacuation orders for the Silverado fire. So we'll keep you up to speed on that. Meanwhile, the candidates are out and they are marching around the campaign trail today, some more than others. Well, they truly are. And I have to tell you something mm-hmm. that uh, as we sit here uh, on Wednesday morning, we talk about the Dodger victory and we talk about the, the fires here. I want you to know that I'm going to a high source a mathematical genius Ooh. who's giving us the countdown to Election Day. This should All be an right. easy one. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's very specific. Until November 3rd when, when those polls open. We have five days, 15 hours, 18 minutes, and 30 seconds at the tone. Tone. (laughs) And there you go. That's not a lot of time. If you're still shopping for a candidate, you best make your mind up quickly because you know what happens when people don't make their mind up? They don't vote. Yeah. You know, I was listening to someone this morning actually talk on um, – it, it was either CNN or Fox and Friends. I think it was Fox and Friends. And I they, like that Ainsley Airhead. Was it's Earhart. I'm sorry. Earhart. But they were talking about how this – this election season particularly is so strange because usually we're doing the countdown to election day, right? That's the start and the end of it. But really, election day this year marks the end of it because so many people have already cast their ballots. I mean, there's been so much in early voting, well over 60 million people already casting their I, their ballots early. So it's almost like it's the end, not even the beginning. Isn't that well, weird? Well, I, I actually disagree, and that's what's beautiful about the morning answer. I disagree because I think that election day will be the beginning of it. What is it? It is a myriad of legal challenges to the outcome of the election, allegations of voter fraud, conspiracies, uh, 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 different uh, different entities conspiring to uh, secure the 
the loser, whomever that may be, uh, their defeat. I, I think Election Day will be not definitive. I think it will rather be the beginning of more shenanigans, kind of like we saw. You can't blame George W. Bush and Al Gore for the shenanigans they had to engage in. It came down to 537 votes, and there were some Ill- illegal butterfly ballots. I mean, they both had legitimate uh, grievances, I think. Yeah, I, I, you know, there are a lot of people who are speculating that we will not have a winner on election night. And I think there's a large there's a, there's a high probability that that's true, especially when you hear about the legal teams from both campaigns. You know, Biden and Trump both have legal teams now positioned in every single swing state. They are going to be watching over the counting. They're going to be watching over every process, every step of the way, because there is the fear that this election will be that close and that this will be a huge factor in determining the outcome. So there is a chance that this could be the beginning of a long couple of weeks. But in any case, Election Day is six days away. And so what are the candidates doing today? Well, let's start. Let's start with President Trump is doing President Trump's thing. And that is he is campaigning and he's campaigning very heavily, heavily, (laughs) heavily, heavily. Tell me where I'm going, because I'm on Air Force One eating a lot of fast food, uh, taking still a lot of hydroxy. I I get my Big Macs with extra zinc now. So it's fantastic. I think he has three rallies scheduled today. And I know for sure he's going to be in Arizona now. uh, What's Joe Biden doing? Don't tell me. No, don't tell me that. Don't no, no. Wait, don't man, tell me I don't that know he, how you're voting for someone who's not even willing to like campaign. No, I'm voting for him for a lot of reasons. And one of the biggest reasons, I'm not afraid to say it because people said it in 1980 about Jimmy Carter. I'm voting for him as people vote for Ronald Reagan because he's not the guy in charge. Not the, he's not the incumbent. But I can't believe that it, now tell me what's on the schedule, please. There is nothing on his schedule today, but he is expected to give a virtual speech from okay. Delaware. So okay, he's giving well, he's giving a speech from like his house. So um, well, here's the breaking news. Joe yeah. Biden will probably win Delaware. He might well, want his to home spe- state. Yeah. He might want to spend some time in the states where maybe he might have a tougher time of it. He might want to call Chappaqua. I'm sure he has long distance service and get old Hill Dog on the phone and say, how'd that work for you when you decided to switch, switch it up and skip uh, Wisconsin and, and skip Michigan and all that? And, and yeah, I couldn't be happier, actually. I say, Biden, stay at I, home. Yeah, get comfy okay. in that art, art link letter chair of yours. You know, yeah. just relax. Well, have certainly, some applesauce. He's certainly Biden time. At a very critical moment. Speaking of Biden, a Biden whistleblower speaks out. Someone is lying, but who is it? As your Wednesday morning answer continues. Why can't conservatives and liberals just get along? They can. Welcome to the morning answer with Brian Whitman and Jennifer Horn. Thanks for joining us. It's the middle of the week, a Wednesday here on the morning answer. Brian Whitman, Jennifer Horn. And when I say the name Tony Bobolinsky to you, Whitman, do you just want to sing ba 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 Bobolinsky? All I want to say is over here. <laughs> Tony Bobolinsky over here, like Anthony Scaramucci over here. But Tony Bobolinsky, I think, is of Polish descent or uh, your part ski. of the world, well, your mother country. Czech, what is it? Uh, Czech. Well, Czech and Irish. Similar Eastern European kind of vibe. Yep. But uh, Tony Bobolinsky, I did put a picture on social media because I know people were desirous of the look because any comedy name like Tony Bobolinsky has got to show us a, a portly guy, and uh, that paid off. He's not but, bad, though. I mean, he's not. Like, no, he's, he's not he's bad. Decent uh, looking. Is he a credible witness in all of this? Now, Tony Bobolinsky uh, over here 
appeared last week to basically say that, you know, he knows Hunter Biden mm-hmm. and I worked uh, with him. It worked with him. OK, I, was, I want to be clear about employment uh, arrangements, but that uh, the, the line from Tony Bobolinsky, a former business associate of Hunter Biden, he said in an interview yesterday and listen to this, that the Biden family, essentially his words, shrugged off concerns. That is to say, they're not very important. Mm-hmm. Shake it off, Taylor Swift would do. Shrugged off concerns that Joe Biden's alleged ties to his son's business deals could put a future presidential campaign at risk. They shrugged it off. They maybe didn't think it was important. And by the way, if we look at the polls today, they were right. Yeah, well, we we don't know because there's also a story going around that uh, is linked to this story. People actually Googling this story are also Googling, according to Google Trends, how do I change my vote? Because many people have casted votes in early voting states, and uh, this has become an issue. So here's the story. Tony Bobolinsky is a Navy veteran, and he started his own company. It's called uh, Cinehawk Holdings. How and- many years did he spend in the Navy? I, I applaud him for his – was he a career man? Or, or- I'm not sure. I, I know he was Seems in there like for he was there a, a, a good while. chunk of time. Okay, good. And so he claims that he had a meeting with Joe Biden, his brother Jim, and Hunter Biden, and they talked about creating this deal with the Chinese energy company. And he also brings receipts. He has emails, basically, proving the fact that he had these conversations. And it was in this one of these emails that he turned over to authorities that said the big man, the big guy, gets 10%, meaning Joe Biden actually profits from these deals that were set up by his brother and his son. Now, Tony Bobolinsky, we'll hear from him in a few moments because he's better to tell you than we are. Sounds like another example of somebody making contemporaneous notes. Uh, well, no, these aren't his notes. These are actual emails between him and the Biden. So with James Comey and his his notes, those were notes that he took after whatever meeting he had, and they were his own point of view. These are actual emails involving all of the characters who say they've never had anything to do with this guy. Kind so of a actually, recap of the meeting from correct. those in the meeting, not written by Bobolinsky. And he said uh, he even asked Jim Biden, the brother of Joe, how do you get away with doing this in all of your deals? And he said plausible deniability. And right. it's, uh, it's something that Tony Bobolinsky brought up to Tucker Carlson when he spoke last night. And he says a couple of things. Number one, that Joe, Joe Biden is just blatantly lying when he says he didn't talk to his son about business dealings. But he said that doesn't concern him as much as the fact that he's actually got some ownership, right? He owes the communist Chinese government for this deal that he says alleges exists. So take a listen. This is Tony Bobolinsky last night on Tucker Carlson. And remember, he has turned over a lot of the emails and corroborated his story with some evidence from cell phones and email devices. Take a listen. And this is a company with direct connections to the communist government of China. So the former vice president has said he had no knowledge whatsoever of his son's business dealings and was not involved in them at all. But this sounds like direct involvement in them. Yeah, that's a blatant lie. When he states that, that is a blatant lie. Obviously, the world's aware that I attended the uh, debate last Thursday, and uh, in that debate, he made a specific statement around questions around this from the president. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I uh, almost stood up and screamed liar and walked out because I was shocked um, that after four days or five days that they prepped for this, that the Biden family is taking that position to the world Um, And once again, I'm irrelevant in this discussion. I just was brought in to run this company and have uh, been exposed to all of this fact. And I believe the American people should see this fact. I would have much preferred the Biden family 
go on record and define these facts for the American people on the globe versus me sitting here uh, having a discussion with you on it. Now, the question of whether or not they had a meeting came up. Tony Bobulinski says that they did. Joe Biden has not denied meeting with Tony Bobulinski. Here's the story. So Joe Biden has not denied meeting with you in Los Angeles, correct? Correct. Tell us about the conversation that you had with him. Um, so I initially was sitting uh, because I got there a little earlier, was sitting with Jim Biden and Hunter Biden. And um, Joe came through the lobby with his security and Hunter um, basically said, hey, give me a second. I'll go over and give me 10 minutes to brief my dad uh, and read him in on things. And so then Hunter and his father and security came through the bar. And uh, obviously I stood up out of respect to shake his hand. And uh, Hunter introduced me as uh, this is Tony, dad, uh, the individual I told you about that's helping us with the business that we're working on and the Chinese. Jennifer, so it was been... clear to you that Joe Biden's son had told him about this business. Crystal today. clear. Crystal clear. Is there any other kind? As Jack Nicholson asked. <laughs> Let him get that answer out. It's dramatic. Okay. <laughs> no, but yeah, but uh, I, I, I jumped the gun because I thought they had concluded. For benefit of the audience, approximately what month and year is this described encounter happening? Well, 2017 is the year that they're talking about this agreement with the Chinese. And okay. it was uh, beyond that, I think, 2014, 2012. I think it was 2014, actually. Obama was still president when the deal with Ukraine took place, also when the Bidens took $3.5 million from the mayor of Moscow. That all what's happened being dis- what, while what, what, he was, was vice president. What's being discussed there with Tucker last night is 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, the first year into the Trump administration. I want to say something uh, that uh, I-, I thought was missing from all of this. I, I had not heard, and so I've looked it up and I have the answer, and I'll do it quickly. I've not heard about Tony Bobulinski's uh, political affiliation in terms of party registration. So I thought, let me take a look at this because it'll be interesting either way. And as you listen now and you hear what, what I'm saying, what do you think it might be? He's well, a Democrat. He is a Democrat. Yeah. A registered, and he's a donor, by the way, to Democrats. He's a registered Democrat. Tony Bobulinski, he has uh, turned government witness on Joe Biden and the Biden family on the issue of money laundering. Yeah, he is definitely not a Republican. And so you can, again, we can talk about whether this uh, this story matters or not, but certainly someone is lying here. I mean, Tony Bobulinski's story is much different than Joe Biden's, and Tony Bobulinski is coming with receipts. Biden called him treasonous. He took issue with that. He also took a few hits at our congressman, Adam Schiff, who has tried to write off Bobulinski as someone who is um, perpetuating Russian disinformation. I had to go on the record. Last weekend, I was in Virginia. Uh, Sally, my sister-in-law, passed away at around, I think, 6.38 Saturday morning. That's the wife of my brother who spent 28 years serving this country as a naval flight officer and just retired. So you can imagine me dealing with that and the tragedy of that. When I saw Adam Schiff go on record talking about Russian disinformation after this email had been posted online by the New York Post, and remember, that email was to me from James Gillier, right? It wasn't, you know, I wasn't blind carboned or CC'd on that. It was to me stating that I was going to be the CEO of this enterprise. Um, I had, uh, I was at the end of my rope. And so I crawled Rob Walker and I told him that if that statement isn't retracted by Adam, or, uh, Congressman Schiff by midnight on Sunday, that I was going on record and I was disclosing all the facts to the American government, to the American citizen and the world. I was hoping the Bidens would do the right thing, 
or Schiff would retract his statement. But I could not allow another minute, another hour or day for my family's name to be associated. And we've seen this so many times that when they don't like the set of facts right, it's always Russian disinformation. Blame so Tony Bobulinski becomes a whistleblower. And I guess we're back to uh, applauding whistleblowers and revering them like, you know, we used to before President you know, Trump became president. I actually think there's a role for whistleblowers uh, if, they, sure if they come through with things that are factual and they have evidence on it. The candidates are in the home stretch. We'll tell you where they're heading and what they're saying as your Wednesday morning answer continues.